Welcome to episode two of Let's Talk About Faith and Justice. My name's Lyndon Sayers, pronouns he, him, one of the co-hosts here. And my name is Boston, pronouns he, him, and I'm the other co-host. And uh, so today we thought we would just do a little bit of an extended intro. And also um, I'm going to talk about sort of some experiences that I've had as an Indigenous person and a Christian, because those are kind of seen as like, now I'm forgetting how to speak English, anti, oh my gosh, they, they don't, those things don't mesh really nicely in the public, I think, perception, being Indigenous and being Christian. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being willing to, to share your story and, uh, yeah, looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. So I guess I'll just get right into it now. I'm like not sure what to say once we hit record, but, um, so yeah, so I'm Métis. I think I said that on the, on the first kind of intro episode. Um, I grew up in Treaty 8 and I didn't grow up Christian really in, in any way, um, uh, in Northern Alberta, there is actually, with how many people kind of say they're Christian, there's not a lot of like actual denominational churches. Like, um, for like the big, I think, I don't know if this is socially acceptable. What do they call it? The big four or something like that? Like Catholicism, Lutheranism, Anglicanism, or something like that. But like, wow, I'm just impressed that Lutheranism <laughs> is. I think in the top the four. four. Um, that the closest, like there was a town about 30 minutes away from where I grew up that had um, a Catholic church, an Anglican church, a Lutheran church, and a, I think a United, and then one other kind of like non-denominational. And um, the one, the town closest to where I grew up had one small non-denominational church. And I think I've... I've told you this before, but it was one of those places, and this, I guess I'm foreshadowing to a, a topic that we kind of have thought of in the, in the future, but it was like this non-denominational church and, you know, like big PowerPoint, like projector on the wall, just, you know, prosperity gospel, like asking for money all the time, like not really anything else. Um, and so for a long, I, I just, I didn't, no part of me felt like I wanted to be part of the church, especially because, you know, it, after those experiences that I'd had in church and also the fact that a lot of people in Northern Alberta, like are very, I would say the polite word would be fundamentalist, but also just downright, like just racist and homophobic and like all mm-hmm. the, all the phobics really Islamophobic, everything like that you can imagine. Um, and those were the same people growing up that would call themselves Christians. And so I was like, why would I ever, you know, feel like this is something that I want to be a part of? Um, and especially kind of when we started talking about it within my family and, and you know, um, I don't I don't know a ton about this um, part of my, my grandfather's life, but kind of he passed away several years ago now, but... Um, sort of in the years leading up to his passing, he had kind of, once it had kind of reached, you know, like, like, like news, like, you know, sort of stories about residential schools and, and day schools and sort of, or even just general abuse and like Catholic schools, you know, in that era, he sort of started opening up a little bit. Um, sorry, I thought someone was knocking on the window. Um, but 
so so but we don't so we don't know specifics and i don't really need to know specifics to be honest but we just know that he like he went through abuse basically and in, in whatever i think he was in a day school or catholic school i can't i don't know exactly but he did not have a good experience with the with the church essentially um and so kind of all of this together i was like again i just kind of thought i wouldn't i had i had an idea of what uh, what a quote-unquote christian was and i was like this is not something that would ever sort of line up with any of my values or any of you know my my desires um and that sort of conception that i had built in my head lasted a really long time like even after i first came to victoria i was like like no way um and then I we kind of told this the first episode, but then stuff like the protests and stuff started happening, and you and I met, um, and I started going to church. Um, and now I do a lot of things <laughs> that are church related on my in my free time. That's like I would say like where half of my free time goes <laughs> usually is doing something for like you know either yeah like multi faith or board of care or something like that. Um, and I, I don't, like, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, you know, the community that I've found both at Multifaith here at the University of Victoria and also at Lutheran Church of the Cross is, like, you know, fantastic communities. Um, but it is still, I would I would say, it's sort of, it's complicated, <laughs> you know what I mean, to be Indigenous and Christian because... Um, especially a lot of younger indigenous people, I would say kind of, especially here in Victoria, um, they are like, they're very against anything capital C church. Like it doesn't, so it doesn't matter what denomination, it doesn't matter what they're like, no, like this is, you know, this has caused too much pain and we don't like, so it's always been kind of, it's kind of been weird for me the last few years to be like, how do I sort of, toe the line between these two sort of you know like I don't know what like identities I guess uh I don't know it's uh and I say it's hard but I like I know like no one's forcing me to go to church like I'm choosing to so I can't be like it's so but like you know what I mean it's just it's it's something that I really enjoy and I you know I find a lot of sort of pleasure and and happiness in and so yeah, sorry, I'm kind of losing <laughs> my train of thought here. Oh, that's uh, that's super interesting to think about, and yeah, I mean, I follow people online or are friends with indigenous folks, and some of whom, for obvious reasons, have very uh, kind of negative takes on all things Christian because of residential schools and yeah. history of colonialism and the way churches are caught up in that, and still today, many of us in churches and that um, often don't want to fully take responsibility. Like we want to have like named it. Yeah, that was real bad. We want to lift that up. We want to kind of confess our sins and then be absolved and be over and done with it a bit. There's a bit of that uh, kind of feeling out there. Not necessarily people say that explicitly. Some do. Yeah. so that makes it a bit complicated as well that there sometimes is an unwillingness to address the ongoing trauma that the harm that was caused is ongoing and generational. So I can imagine from from your 
position that makes it extra complicated if when you're working in like activist circles and stuff there are going to be people who are like well why are you you're getting co-opted by this kind of uh, evil institution yeah. or others who are willing to take a more nuanced position but um yeah it's complicated it is yeah and it's like it's I uh, I've kind of tested the waters a little bit, so to speak, sometimes like where I'm like, you know, sort of more open about it. But it, it's kind of it just depends on, on who it is I'm talking to, how they take it, because, you know, some people like don't care. Like they've got a, they've got their own issue. Like, you know, they're like, I don't care what you do with your own time. But I have had like really, really weird experiences with people that I've known for years Um I remember I'm not going to, so I won't like name any names and cause I, I like these people and you know, like again, sort of like for understandable reasons, like maybe they're a little bit more or sorry, I should say less comfortable with, with Christianity. But I remember um, it was several years ago now and you and I were having lunch at the university and I think it was the first time that we had ever really like sat down and talked to one another and you know just chat like I was telling you about growing up in northern Alberta you were telling me about like Saskatchewan and being a pastor down in the states and um some again someone that I had known for years came up and was like I think at first they thought they were maybe saving me from a situation that I didn't want to be a part of and so I remember them being like I I need your help with something immediately across campus like you need to come with me right now and i was like that's kind of weird i'm like what the, you know what i mean like we're like we are friends but we're not really and i was like oh like i can come but i'm gonna come after like i'm done having lunch here and they were like oh okay and kind of left and um didn't really bring anything up after like didn't didn't ask about it you know what i mean i went and met up with them later and they were like Oh, like I already finished everything that I needed help with. And I was like, okay, this is super weird. Again, like just super mm -hmm. weird. And then a couple of weeks later, I remember I was in a meeting with them and I was like, I had mentioned something about um, the Truth and Reconciliation Committee at Church of the Cross and how they were like looking to um, like put funds somewhere or something like that. And they were like, oh, is that who you're having lunch with a couple of weeks ago? Like, un you know, brought it up unprompted. And I was like, no and they were like oh and i could see like a couple of other faces in the meeting it was over zoom so i could see them kind of like either like kind of trying to hold in i don't know a smile or like kind of like what the hell like and i think so i think like after that sort of weird interaction at lunch like this person had gone and told other people like you'll never believe because i think you were also wearing a collar i think that was the right. big thing like you were you weren't just like some guy i was having lunch with like it was like very clear that you were a pastor so it you know what i mean and so like there's just there's interactions like that that i'm like that's weird like i don't that feels uncomfortable and so some there are times where i don't like i'm not i don't hide it but i'm not like v extremely open about the things that i'm doing all the time you know what i mean because i'm just like maybe i'd rather not have those awkward <laughs> interactions with people that have no you know what i mean that was just like that one still haunts me because i'm like that was just so and like and clearly like they had been thinking about it for a couple of weeks because the minute that i said like at a lutheran church and they were like oh is that who you're having lunch with and i was like no <laughs> like they're like you know what i mean it was just and so yeah that those sorts of interactions are are interesting 
to say the least with the younger people well yeah and uh yeah sorry for making that more awkward than it needed to be there but i noticed having moved from uh virginia where we lived for 10 years to victoria and just the pacific northwest vibe in general especially on the canadian side i would imagine is uh more kind of anti-church or more spiritual but not religious um which i mean that could be found most places but it's especially pronounced here um and yeah i just notice there's more kind of sideway glances or looks yeah i could we i had i have not really ever like i haven't spent much significant time in the united states ever really um but this last like uh you know, in 2022, I went to Seattle and that was like the first time as in like older than five years old, I had gone to the United States and it was like, I can't believe how religious it, or like, you know what I mean? Like how prominent religion is like, it doesn't matter where you are. You're walking down the road and there's people selling like rosaries on the side of the road. And like you turn on the television and like in the hotel and like three quarters of the channels in the hotel are like some weird, like, you know, old you know shriveled little man like in a suit talking about bible verses and it was like and i was like this all like it seems very normal here like no one but i was like i was walking around like what's going on here like i can't believe how much religious sort of influence it seems i don't know you you hear about it or like every every tourist shop you'd walk in here you know you go into a shop in victoria and it's like every shirt has like moose on it or like like a native, you know, design, like art. And there, all guns and all crosses. Like, and sometimes a mix between those two. One of the worst ones that I saw was like, I stand for the flag, but I kneel for the cross. And it was like, literally the shirt was a a silhouette of an army soldier kneeling in front of a cross. But then in the background, like overlaid was like an American flag. And I was like, this is like, yeah, but I see what you mean. Cause I didn't realize actually how, and maybe that's not the case everywhere, but for Seattle seems like it would be one of the more sort of, yeah, like sort of close to Canada cities. And it was like, no, no, no. it was like deeply entrenched there. Well, imagine it's going to be only much more than that. Most other <laughs> yeah. like non cosmopolitan cities. Yeah. You get into rural areas, pretty much any state, it's going to be more. I couldn't believe it. Um, like truck stop chapels would really? be a thing. Like they converted the back of a semi-trailer into like a a chapel that looks like it's from the early 1980s with fake wood paneling and like a weird altar. And just someone's funding that to sit at some truck stop so that truckers could go to church. <laughs> yeah. And there might be some volunteer chaplain who comes like some semi-retired pastor who would come to every day stop. at 12 for half an hour to lead some worship or some talk to truckers like that. That would be in some small town truck stop. Yeah. that's And that's just a normal thing. People asking for prayer where a clergy caller, people ask for prayer in a par- Walmart parking lot. Just approach you. Yeah. <laughs> really and we might share nothing in common in terms of social values um but we were both christian and so that was a common jumping off point for a conversation 
So there's a bit of that here uh, for other Christians, but not nearly as pronounced as you are pointing to. So that's kind of interesting. And yeah, I've noticed I've had to adapt a bit to this context. And um, I, I imagine in some ways the story you're telling about being Métis and Christian in Victoria is probably even harder here than some other cities or places in Canada. Like, for example, where you grew up, it might be more about, you're talking about the different theologies, you might run into more conservative theologies. Um, whereas here you're getting that kind of both anti-church and secularism yeah, uh, and other flavors thrown in there. So, yeah, it it leaves us an interesting task to uh, navigate what it means to be Christian and and then for you especially to be indigenous and Christian in this context. Um, I'm sure you're not alone in that. Um, what do you have uh, friends or colleagues who are navigating similar kinds of identities and questions? Um. Like in terms of Christianity or just in... Well, like, being indigenous and Christian? No. <laughs> That's, no. 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 I, I, yeah, no. I don't know. I don't think I know anyone who's actually indigenous and, and Christian beyond myself and Victoria. Like, at least just... I, not, of course, like, there are, of course. But of people that I know, I have never met anyone. So... Right. And yeah. the island is a especially harder place, like, as far as I know... Like, for example, in the Anglican Church, our, one of our closer ecumenical partners, there's uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Brokenleg, who's a retired Anglican priest. And last I heard, he was the only indigenous priest on the island. Um, and then there's a few indigenous Lutheran colleagues on the lower mainland, but we're separated by water. Yeah, uh, we don't see those folks in person very much. Although we've had, for example, Carrie Clausen come visit us at Church yeah. of the Cross a few times and share uh, her gifts for ministry and share her story. Um, yeah, so it's a very interesting place, and you're in the Indigenous Law Program as well. So yeah. you're, um, I mean, one thing that can be interesting with those conversations you mentioned with friends or. Uh, fellow students is it can be a fruitful exchange it can be very uncomfortable but it could be fruitful because yeah. sometimes people are willing to make an exception and say well i still generally dislike the church yeah and most of christian history um or church history but i've met this individual christian or small group of christians who seem okay yeah and so that's like as a starting point and for some as good as it gets to say well here are some exceptions yeah uh, and that's a great that's a great kind of conversation starter and not just in terms of evangelism or, or you know to be manipulative <laughs> yeah. oh the progressive Christians were you know we're we're using justice as a lever to lure people into the church or something yeah but rather to say no this is like authentic Christian theology, this is what it means to be Christian, to be loving of neighbor in real concrete ways. Um, 
it's a way to counteract to some of all those harmful theologies that get more airtime, not just because those churches often have resources to produce materials. And, but then funny enough, the very progressive churches, or sorry, progressive secular voices or non-Christian voices amplify Christian hate because one, they they find it offensive. They want to bring up those examples. Um, But they're kind of like giving a lot of airtime yeah. To people who already have a lot of airtime. And lot. so the kind of story you're talking about is then that much harder to get out there. So one reason to have a podcast episode yeah. for it. And, you know, obviously beyond this episode, we'll keep talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. That That's always like my, my word. Like, I don't, I do not want to come off as like an evangelist or it's like, you know what I mean? Or like, I don't know, like you know, like the street corner people yelling, holding a Bible in their hands. Like, I feel like that's maybe the way that it can come off to people if they're not like entirely, I I don't know, familiar. Like, I don't know. I just, I I always have a tough time navigating like, you know, like when is an appropriate time or is there an appropriate time to discuss this? And like some people like really like don't want to. And that's fine. I mean, like, of course, like, but I know I was, uh, I like, I, was talking at multi-faith um last week and i was um telling a story i was in a class and like the professor like just recently and the professor started talking about how like the idea of creator and the idea of god in christianity are like irreconcilable like there's no way that they could ever be sort of seen as one and i was like that's really unfortunate because i really disagree but I'm in the middle of a law class, so I'm not going to like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't be like, hold on. Like, you know, I'm, we're going to have a, like a talk about theology. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. We're just kind of, we were like talking about the constitution of Canada or something. So I'm like, you know, but it's like, when, you know, when is like the appropriate time for those conversations? Like, I, I don't know. I, I have a, I have a tough time with that. And also because like, I think about when I wasn't a Christian, I'm like, I didn't like, leave me alone. You know what I mean? Like, believe what you want to believe and leave me alone. And so, like, I, I, I also, like, extremely respect that point of view, right? But it's hard to parse out, like, what what people actually think or what they believe. Like, do they want to have those conversations? Do they just want to be left alone? How do you tell? I don't know. I guess I'm just also anxious. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's case-by-case case situation from, yeah. from any of that. And because, yeah, there is that history of cold calling um often mixed with very manipulative theologies it's really complicated yeah uh and we don't want to perpetuate those stereotypes and we fall into the very traps we want to avoid with some of that so sometimes i mean the very thing you're talking about i mean just funny enough having lunch in some and having some visible uh christian symbol there the which is also fraught because a clerical collar also evokes uh, a lot of negative images. So yeah. I still wrestle with that uh, when it's appropriate to wear one or not. Um, but those are the opportunities for a conversation that come up. But, <laughs> but when you're in the middle of it, it can feel very personal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's tough because like, and I, like, of course, like we're talking about this all in the context of like completely like understanding, like, 
like we're talking about residential schools, like, you know, there is a lot of trauma still like that people are like, you know, people that I'm going to school with whose parents went to residential school. So it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's tough, especially the stage that we're at right now, because I think a lot of people are seriously not ready for that yet. Like, you know, and, and which I understand, like they just, they want to feel their anger. And I'm like, I, I get it. I get wanting to feel the anger. Um, I think actually, you know, you mentioned Reverend Dr. Martin broken leg. Um, he, I think he spoke, he spoke at church of the cross. I don't know how many years ago now it was like pre COVID sometime, I think. Um, right. Am I? Yeah. I would think about four years ago. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was part of that talk and like, well, like watching it. I mean, not, I wasn't talking, but, um, he talked about that where he just said like, you know, like indigenous people haven't even really had the time for truth or for feeling what we need to. And then there's like a reconciliation aspect. Right. I, th- I think he's, I'm, I'm really paraphrasing here. Cause again, it was four years ago. It's not like I have like a recording or something like that, but he was, his talk was more in the context of like intergenerational trauma. And it was like, you know, we need to be able to feel what we're feeling then we get to the truth because we haven't even got to the truth and then we get to reconciliation. Uh, so that's, and that's another thing that I find tough is that I think that a lot of the conversations are like, well, how can we like, well, yeah, how can we reconcile? And it's like, well, maybe it's, maybe we're just not ready for that yet. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. Good point. And I think that was even more recent because I think we were still in like studio mode or something like we were just live streaming worship Okay. With a very small group of people. Yeah, like it. It, would, it was still maybe early in the pandemic. I think really early. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember you'd have to navigate for guests, especially those who are immunocompromised, their comfort levels. Yeah. How many people we'd have in the space? Yeah. We were literally counting how many people were in a pretty large room. Yeah. Wearing we're all wearing masks for the most part, and we're just treating it like a a recording studio thing it was weird yeah it's only a few years ago yeah it's so weird um but yeah the i mean for those of us who are not indigenous to listen to that to say well maybe we're not ready for reconciliation and not to be too pushy about it because that can go in different ways i think about i don't know if it's a helpful analogy when we offer queer affirming worship at church of the cross and we're part of that reconciling in christ network um, out of the U.S. that is a program for those who are unfamiliar with how to be, how to overtly welcome or be welcoming to queer Christians who uh, want to, who have historically been excluded. Um, and one one piece of feedback I've received from a, lo- a local trans person is like, well, Lyndon, that's great. You guys are doing that. But don't expect just queer people to welcome you with open arms just because you're turning the corner on this. Yeah. Um, like you can't undo decades of hatefulness yeah. as an institution. Like, And that's where it's important for us as a congregation and denomination not to get defensive yeah. about it and say, well, we didn't do this specific thing, you know, exclusively or um, – you know, individually as a congregation. And it's like, well, that may or may not be the way it's perceived by others. And second, it's not about us. Yeah. So don't 
you know, if we can avoid getting defensive about it, that is a major step forward. So if people, right, if we hear we're not ready for reconciliation, you'd say, okay, then let's, let's respect, let's be respectful. Let's listen to that. And we continue the conversation in ways that are appropriate and, and not, not attached to that aren't conditional, not attached to a specific outcome. That seems super important. So whether it's queer affirming or the work we do with truth and reconciliation, that it not be. And within three years, we would like this topic to be resolved and be over and done with. It's like, well, that, that that's just setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. That's impossible and not respectful for the people you're trying to welcome. So I think a, you know, a massive dose of humility and not getting defensive about things goes a long ways. A huge way. Uh, and so you give people the freedom to say, you know what? I really don't like, I mean, I get, I get those kinds of remarks. It's like you seem okay as a progressive Lutheran pastor or Christian pastor, but I still hate the church. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like I, I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not here to convert, convert. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like impossible anyways. Yeah. Um, and, and like not the point. Yeah. So I think just, yeah, just being like more fully human and not being there just with an agenda or an ideology to push. Yeah goes a long ways and people see that over time i think when people get to know you and see the stuff we're doing whether whether as individuals or congregation like all of that stuff over time matters how we handle it yeah because if any of it feels manipulative or you're just using people uh to further your agenda or or grow your ministry or whatever it is people are gonna sniff that out right away oh yeah yeah. Uh, or, you know, before long. Um, so I think it can't be just results based, you know, on you're striving for this very particular outcome. Yeah. Uh, or that that will fail. Yeah. You're talking about like, you know, people being able to like sniff it out. Like, I, you know, I've been able to like as an indigenous person, as you know, again, in Christian circles where it's like, you can tell really easily when people have ulterior motives, I guess, kind of thing. Like I've had, um, I'm not even going to say any identifying, like, you know what I mean? Like just, yeah. Like, but you know, um, I've, I've had Christians from unnamed denominations be like, kind of be like, I don't know. You know, like, have you ever seen like the joke online? That's like, if a Christian ever asks you to go for coffee, don't do it type of thing. And so I've had some Christian, and I mean, that's not always the case, of course, like, you know, um, but I have had some Christians be like, let's go for coffee. And then the whole thing is like them trying to like, they want me to like almost like condone their actions or something like that. Or like, you know, like, Oh, I'm like, I was thinking about like a mission trip to uh indigenous community i'm like uh no like that's messed up like what what do you mean like that's not and they're like oh really and i'm like yeah or like um sort of uh, yeah i don't know like it's it's strange like you or like you know 
wanting to sort of be well like you were saying earlier like absolved of like well you know like I've done this this and this in my work and like I've met with these people and these people and I do this and so like you know like I'm sorry for the things that Canada has done for you know in like for things like residential schools but like you know me personally I've done blah blah blah, and it's like what what's the goal here you know what I mean it I think it is literally to like you know have like indigenous people be like we forgive you and it's like like we're talking about I I don't think that doesn't come easily that doesn't come from a conversation (laughs) you know what I mean like there's you have to actually put in I think a significant amount of work and the right work because I also think that um I see something in uh, not only Christian circles, but just like, you know, with white people in general, where it's like, they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do to, to help indigenous people. And it's like, well, like who, well, who indigenous did you talk to and ask like, if that's what is needed or wanted, you know what I mean? Like they just, there's just like an assumption that like they can decide the type of work that is required to like we're talking about kind of like receive this absolution or like be like you know like to get a pat on the back from from indigenous people and it's like it doesn't really work like that you gotta you gotta have dialogue like actual dialogue like not just you know what i mean assuming but you're you're not there just to to hand out get out of jail free cards for good white people (laughs) yeah exactly um yeah, I've got a queer black friend who likes to say there are no good white people, which, of course, is meant to get a reaction yeah. and, uh, you know, will get that reaction. And then again, if we think about not taking things personally or defensively, like what is it's really meant as a teachable moment. Yeah. But no, a lot of white folks can't get beyond the knee jerk reaction of <gasps> how mean? could you accuse me? Uh, you don't know me, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, and again, if if it's about systemic injustice, it's not about any of us personally. Yeah. Um, and part of that teachable moment, I think, is to say uh, when it comes to structural racism and injustice, nobody gets a jet out, get out of jail free card. It's not like you're playing Monopoly and you just land on <laughs> the community chest and you get to draw one of these cards and, and and you get that for like volunteering somewhere and being a good person. Yeah. Um, bare minimum. Right. (laughs) And so I think we, we need to sit with that a bit because in certain sense, it's, it's a paradox because once you try to claim your goodness and that's not just true of racism, but just of it's an ethical quandary generally, once you try to, you know, say, I am an ethical person. You've sort of you've sort of stopped kind of loving neighbor, like in that Christian ethic sense. It's a problem that um some philosophers, um, Soren Kierkegaard and also Emmanuel Levinas kind of take up to some degree of like once you change your disposition towards caring for the other, um and you just get into a self-reflective mode of, but I am good, then you're sort of like, that is the definition of being self-centered. Yeah. Uh, or in a, like a Lutheran theology sense of turning, turning in upon oneself. 
uh, St. Augustine's description of sin is about like literally like kind of curling into a ball. You're like navel gazing in the worst way. And uh, I mean, that happens just all the time on among progressive white folks is a switch from, okay, yeah, we want to listen to these other people who are suffering. And, but then quickly there's this reflexive movement to, well, what about me? I'm good because I cared about these people. Uh, yeah. But you're not, we're not caring about them when our primary concern is being seen as good. Yeah. yeah. The primary concern is helping neighbor yeah. And not being worried about how you're being seen as. Yeah. And so if someone's mad at, at the church or at Christians and we happen to be the person who walks in the room and get labeled as such, that's just circumstantial. It's not a personal attack. Yeah. Just get over it. Um, and so, too, with uh, wanting to be patted on the back, again, it's just it's a turn away from the thing we're called to do. To 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 love neighbor to live ethically in the world, to care about others, the reflexive move back to ourselves is, um, I mean, that that in a sense is human sin. That is like a breakdown of ethics yeah. because we're putting ourselves first in that. And I, I think that's really hard to get across because we're just so caught up in our own stories Uh and no one wants to see themselves as bad. But when you're trying to explain something that's structural and say it's nothing personal, it's not about you, I think people don't hear that. They hear, you just called me bad. Yeah. And that's, that's the only thing they take away. And they're like, well, I thought I was doing a good thing. I signed up for this committee. I helped with this initiative. And now I've been told even that's not good enough. Like I'm never good enough. And you, like these social justice warriors, are just going to tell me I'm never good enough. Yeah. And there's no grace. And now there might be the, you know, a shred of truth that there can be sometimes an absence of grace in social justice circles. That is true. Um, but that's not the point of these critiques. And so I think too often we're talking past each other in yeah. those things. People hear personal attack. The response is, it's not about you. It's not a personal attack. And they're like, yeah, well, you said those words and they landed on me. So I'm hurt. Uh, and yet you don't seem to care about me feeling hurt. You just care that. You just keep caring about queer folks or racialized folks who feel hurt because of the structural imbalance. And so I think so much of that, we're just talking past one another. Because the structural and individual uh, ways things get labeled, um, either we're just, you know, we're not doing enough teaching on that. And you can't in just like an introductory lecture or something. No, That's no. a, it's a bit of a, a longer learning piece. Yeah. I think, because it's not just a, a conceptual thing. You can't just get it in your head. You also have to like, yeah, figure out how that's going to fit into your life. Yeah. Yeah. So that when you hear something that is a critique, um, that might sting at first, but thinking, hey, this isn't about me. Yeah. So anyway, that's a lot of words about that only because it seems to be a bit of the crux of where things fall apart. Yeah. Um, and 
I don't know what the solution is other than having probably more one-on-one conversations. Yeah. Because yeah. people just hear it in a group setting, whether it's preaching or even maybe in a class, there's more chance for discussion. But if there isn't that chance for discussion, then um, there isn't the full range of dialogue that's needed yeah. uh, to get there. Um, but if people are given those opportunities for dialogue and there still is just nothing but pushback and personal grievance, then they really need to sit with why is that? Yeah. Why is your response going to be just leaving the table, leaving the conversation? Yeah. And feeling that you're the victim. Yeah. If you're a person of relatively more privilege. But that's that's sort of the from <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> what as white folks, we need to do some of that work. It's nothing personal. Yeah. It's just the way the world got structured. Yeah. Given our colonial history. I know. I, I'm like looking at the time right now. I'm like, I've realized maybe this could be two episodes because I'm like, I feel like there's our, there's still so much. Like, we, I kind of came into it with, uh, I, maybe I should have written some some points down, but I think that we had a good good conversation today. And like, but the, even there was like still more that I want to talk about, but we only have three minutes left in the studio so we should probably i guess we should probably wrap up and like um yeah and i also feel like this is also the impetus for this podcast in general yeah so even though we're calling this a podcast episode by no means is it going to be something we don't revisit no of course potentially many episodes yeah of course um there's just so much just in this one one topic to uh the one thing that I've learned from people who make podcasts or creative things like this is you just have to do it. And yeah. uh, what, what we've learned together is you just have to do it. <laughs> yeah. So rather than waiting until we have the most perfectly storyboarded oh, yeah. thing and we're, we're not making This American Life or the, you know some CBC version of that um, that has a staff of half a dozen people to do nothing but produce a show, there's the two of us in between extremely busy schedules <laughs> yeah. We are literally hitting record and going for it. Oh, yeah. So I think that is to be commended. When we talked about people feeling critique and not built up, we want to build one another up in that. So thank you, Boston, for sharing that. No worries. And good on us to go for it. Yeah. And we have our thank yous. Yeah. Um, we want to thank CFUV for giving us the space for recording. Uh, we want to thank the Multiface Center at UVic who support us in our work together on campus, particularly with inclusive Christians. As of now, at least the only overtly uh, queer-affirming, anti-racist Christian presence at University of Victoria. Yes. <laughs> um, and I want to thank Lutheran Church of the Cross, who uh, certainly supports me and both of us in our ministry here uh, if we're allowed to call that a min- ministry, I have to watch how I talk about things. <laughs> the language, yeah. This is like we're in a public radio station booth, so <laughs> I we're work. speaking in general terms enough. Yeah, we'll find out when uh, if we get a reprimand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's okay. <laughs> uh, so, but thank you to those who are listening, yes, and please reach out to us. Uh, We don't have all our contact details set up yet because we haven't launched this podcast as of recording. Yes. So we don't have 
our website and email fully set up on yeah. what it's going to be. So look for that wherever you found the you know wherever you find podcasts. We hope we're able to share this, and look forward to being in conversation on this and other topics. Great. Yes. Thank you all for for listening to us talk <laughs> for an hour. All right. Until next time.